0: Did you get coffee when you came in this morning? Please, if you missed it, it's impossible. It's the the largest coffee sign in any lobby in Bellevue, and uh, it's free, so please always get coffee in the mornings. I don't know if you know, but if you're a teenager, or you know a teenager, middle school, high school, we have a lounge that's open before and after service, so they have like They got ping pong tables and arcade games, and they've got foosball, and they got the basketball, and they got, they just got, they got couches, and they're not doing anything on those couches, but they're like sitting and talking to God and reading their Bibles and stuff. Don't worry. And we've got great young adults that are in there that are great mentors. And so if you know a teenager, you is a teenager, or you're a parent of a teenager, they can go there before and after service, and that'll be a lot of fun for them. So that's open for them. Sound cool? Oh, man, it's going to be good. I'm so excited about today. If we haven't met, my name is Billy. Glad that you're here. Thanks for coming to church. Uh, we are in the second part of a series that we've entitled With God. With God. Um, life has its own troubles, doesn't it? Uh, we all face challenges. Life in and of itself, it's a blessing, but then it's a blessing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever hear someone say, oh, they're a blessing, which is code word for not a blessing? Oh, you're such a blessing. Life can be a blessing, and then it can be a a blessing, and uh, I don't know how people do it alone. In fact, in fact, I would go as far to say if you're alone in this world, you're in trouble. But with God, right? With God, knowing that God is with us changes everything, and that's kind of the premise of our series. And so, I'm super excited for today's sermon. If you have a Bible, go with me, if you will. We'll go two places, but first and foremost, go with me to. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 for part two. Thank you for the birthday wishes. I hate it. I mean, I love you. I love you. I hate it. I hate when people sing happy birthday. I hate when people hug me and say happy birthday. I like the hugs. I hate when people give me gifts, but thank you. So many of you have been so generous. I wouldn't have said anything. Jay, Jay Martin Jr. You're fired. What? You're not even hired. He does everything volunteer. I can't fire him. He's the best man on the whole planet. I love you. And I'm going to get you, man. I think you owed me, but now I owe you. So that's how it works. So, you know, the revenge game just keeps going back and forth. Um, I'm 45 and fully alive. I love it. Someone asked me, how do you feel at 45? I said, way better than 40. (laughs) 40 was like, what? My mom and dad are 40. Now I'm 40. (laughs) And now I'm 45 and I'm realizing it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. So um, I'm excited for today. I overstate things a lot. And so I don't want to overstate this next comment, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, I feel... I've been, I've been just getting ready to talk to you this morning, and I hope you know that talking to you from this pulpit is one of the great joys of my life. It also is does not define me. Uh, I could I've, I could lay this down in a second. I never do it again. I did for years. Um, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm a son of God. That's what should define us. This is something I get to do, and I love to do it. And I'm a pastor before I'm a preacher, but I love to preach, and when God gives you an opportunity, you go for it and you do it. And whatever God gives us, whether it's in business or whether it's in the industry that you work in, whether it's serving someone else or it's whatever your hand finds to do, the Lord says, do with all your might. And so it's my privilege and my, my honor to be able to preach to you on Sunday mornings. I feel that the sermon I'm about to speak on my 45th birthday may be, and I'm overstated, but it might be the most important message I ever preached to this community. Um, it might not be my favorite it might not be my best. I think it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> but I do feel, as I've been preparing it this week, I feel like this might be the most important message I, could, I can deliver to our community. So I'm very, very excited about that. No expectation. Now I got the bar way up here. You're like, what is it? <laughs> Don't rate me afterwards. Don't give me like a 1 through 10. I'll just, I'll just assume we're at a 10. But if you got your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 10. Um, little known fact that maybe you don't know, but I'm going to say it. He's going to be mad, but I don't care. Uh, my brother, Benjamin, was born on the same day as me 10 years later. What are the odds of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ben, who's back there running our media, I love you, bro. Happy birthday to you. He hates it more than I do. He hates it more than I do. <laughs> We were talking yesterday, we were sitting on the patio like on the eve of our birthday, and I was like, you know, there was a season in our lives where you were the worst birthday gift ever. <laughs> this is true. And he's like, yeah, you weren't so great yourself. <laughs> but this, I would say now, a really good birthday gift, man. Love you very much. All right, Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read. This is... um. If you've ever been to Sunday school, this is the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I'll read it to you now. I'm reading from the ESV version. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by the chance, by chance, a priest, a pastor, a clergyman was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, this would be a worship leader. A Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan would be, especially in Jewish culture, an outcast, a foreigner, someone that was not as good as the rest of us. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, that's two, day, two days' wages. And he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is going to be really, really good. Let me read one more place, John 3.16. We could quote it but we'll read it. If you've ever been to a football game or a soccer game or a baseball game, you saw it. You thought it was a restaurant. It's actually a scripture verse. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loves the world. The world is you and I, just in case you were wondering. I like to title this this sermon part two in our series. With God, people matter more than purpose. With God, people matter more than purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Um, Lord, I'm honored to be a part of this, this community. What you've done is miraculous, and it's what you've done. We just followed you, and you've just led. I'm so grateful for all the people who called this home, the leaders and the volunteers and Lord, thank you for being with us. I pray now in the few moments that we have that you would speak to us as only you can. Read us as we read your word. Lord, I thank you that um, for those of us that have been in church our whole lives, that there'll be something fresh today. that You'll stir in our hearts. And for those of us, maybe this is our first time, came with a friend, heard a new church was opening, trying to find a girl, whatever. Lord, I pray whatever it is that you would apprehend us and you would change our lives because we believe when we get together, that's what happens. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Um, Have you ever been guilty of taking something for granted? Uh, I once was away from my family for three weeks. We first moved here in Seattle. And uh, we were—I had gotten a new job. It was 2007, and we didn't have enough money to really go on vacation because it costs a lot to move from Atlanta to Seattle. And so, and also, I couldn't get leave time. So Jen and I kind of came up with this decision. She was going to go back to Atlanta, where her family was, with the kids, and she could stay with them. They could get a vacation because we needed it, and they had a pool, and so it'd be fun. And for whatever reason, we decided on on the number of three weeks. There was some business to take care of. And at first, I was kind of bummed, like, oh man, my wife and my kids for three weeks. But then there was a part of me. If I'm being honest, it was low-key, like, looking forward to it. You know what I'm saying? Like a little a little me time. <laughs> now, I've never been away from my wife my kids for this long. In fact, I don't think we'd ever been away from each other for more than a week. And so, a three-week stretch, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But at first, it was kind of good. Now, I love Jen. I love her a lot. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, we've been going on this for almost 25 years. But sometimes... Um, she speaks her opinion. <laughs> her opinion. And I love her opinion, and I love her perspective. But sometimes, she's got a lot of them. <laughs> and I love, I love communicating with my wife. She's the easiest to communicate with. I mean, she really is. And I, I don't take that for granted, because I know that that doesn't always happen. But, but sometimes, <laughs> I'm going to do this a lot. Um, she asks questions that aren't really questions, Uh, Any of the men understand? Like, it's more like a comment. Like, I'll be making a sandwich. And she'll walk in and she'll be like, are you going to eat that whole thing? (laughs) Now, I know she doesn't mean it to come off like that, but that's how I hear it. I'm like, no, babe. No, no, no. I just spent the last 10 minutes slicing this meat and gathering this cheese and tomatoes and lettuce and, you know, toasting the bun perfectly and spreading some mayo on it because I'm going to take one bite and then throw the other of it in the trash. That's what, you know. Um, I'll get dressed in the morning. I'll literally, we'll be in the bathroom, we'll get dressed, and I'll turn around, and she'll be like, are you really gonna wear that? <laughs> Again, <laughs> she goes, it's, it's not how you mean it, but it's how I hear it. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. In fact, I put all of this on, shoes, cologne, everything, because I'm gonna go downstairs, get a cup of coffee, then I'm coming right back up. I'm gonna take it all off and wear a completely different outfit. This is, uh, this is morning coffee outfit is what this is, Right? <laughs> <laughs> she'll come home from work sometimes, and I could tell she's been going hard all day long. She's a girl boss, and I get it. She'll come in and she'll sit down and she'll be like, Whew. So, what did you do today? <laughs> Again, it's how I hear it, you know. And I wanna be like, but me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, I waited for you to leave so I could go downstairs and binge watch Netflix and eat nachos all day long. By the way, what's for dinner? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I want to do. I love her, I love her. I I really, really do, but sometimes, I love my kids a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. I love them, all three of them. But uh, sometimes (laughs) um, I feel like they um, they take my, my generosity and treat it with total disregard. Like I provide them with rooms that they don't pay for. And I just ask every now and then, just keep it clean. I oh yeah, no problem, dad. And I'll walk in there on a random day, and it's as if someone came in and pulled the pin on seven hand grenades and just let them go. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's impossible to live in this kind of mess. It's total chaos. And I just feel like I don't, I don't understand. Sometimes I'll ask my kids to do, you know, help around the house. Like, hey, do you mind before going out with your friends, would you just, would you do the dishes? Oh, no problem, dad. I got you. Thank you. Four days later, <laughs> right? Just dishes just overflowing, just everywhere. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, um, hey, before you go to bed, you mind taking the trash out? I know I typically do it because I do everything around here. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it a little early. So could you do that? Got you. I'll take it out. I'm like, it's really important that you take it out tonight. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it one more time because if you don't, the trash guy comes real early in the morning. And if you don't take it out tonight before you go to bed, like I just asked you three times, then what will happen is the trash will just be left and it will build up all week long and I got to deal with that dad i got you next morning 7 a.m i hear the trash truck going by wakes me up and i think to myself surely surely they did it i walk out and there's my trash you know what i'm saying they didn't do it um so i love my kids like i really do but sometimes so when they left for three weeks at the beginning i was like this is gonna be great first three days it was awesome it's clean everything was organized in its place um quiet I liked it. After, on day three, I started to miss them. I did. I miss Jen. I missed the kids. Day six, I really missed them. I mean, I really missed them. Day 10, I mean, I was literally, I would go into their room and mess things up just to pretend that they were around. Like, you know, I would do that. I would literally, I, I, I would call Jen and I would just, I, would just wanna, I just wanted to hear her voice. I'd just call him, Babe, I just want to hear your voice. Can we keep talking? I just miss kissing your lips. I miss doing other things. <laughs> you know. 10 days. On day 15, it got real bad. I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday, although it was like 15 years ago. On day 15, I mean, honestly, I just let dishes pile up. I'd call Jen three to four times a day. I was getting suspicious. I'm like, hey, is that one guy there? That one guy? I literally did this. She's like, "What guy? The guy that liked you when we used to live there?" You know, he goes, no, I'm like, I swear to God, I'll fly in. You know, like I was having, I was having a moment. I, and she's like, "Babe, what's wrong with you?" And I would just talk to her for. I was like, "Babe, do you want to ask what I'm wearing? Do you want to ask what I'm eating?" You know, like give me all your opinions. I want to know. You know, I mean, I literally I went through a photo album. I am not a photo album guy. I remember sitting that night looking through our wedding album. It's the first time I looked through it since we got married. We've been married for like 10 years at this point or more. And I was like tearing up. I was like, she's so beautiful. You know? We have such a good life together. Or we did. You know." <laughs> uh, day 18. Rumor has it that I was out on my front lawn that morning watering it in nothing but my boxers. Now, I can neither confirm nor deny this. But a friend drove by and called Jen concerned. She's like, hey, I'm really concerned because I drove by this morning and your husband was outside and he had his cup of coffee and he was watering the grass and he was staring off in the distance, real kind of weird-like, and all he was wearing were his boxers. And we know how he is about taking his shirt off in public. you know. (laughs) And Jen called me, she's like, babe, what happened? I'm like, I don't know, it's a blur. I was low-key sad, low-key depressed. I just missed my family it dawned on me after not being with them for 21 days that I had I had taken them for granted sure I mean sure like it was nice that you know my kids that things were clean but no mess no kids sure Jen wasn't bothering me with her questions but to be honest I just wanted her to come back home and bother me (laughs) Yeah, sure, 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 we were saving some money, and sure, you know, I, I had a good job that I had to keep, so I don't think I could have left, you know, and sure, it's probably the logical decision, but it just didn't matter anymore, because it dawned on me that they were just way more important than any of that, and it took me 21 days without them to realize I took, I've been taking them for granted. Okay, can I just tell you something here this morning? Maybe you know this. Maybe you need a reminder. God will never take you for granted. Never. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, you and me, so loved. Do you know how much God loves you? You you couldn't even wrap your mind around it, in fact. First of all, the word there in the Greek language love is, is agape. Now, there's a few words in the Greek language that are used for love. One's like a sexual type of love between a husband and wife. Another one is a love that we commonly refer to, in, in and the Greek word of it is phileo. And if that's not how you pronounce it, I don't care, okay? But I'm going to call it phileo. And it's kind of love that you and I are capable of. It's like, hey. It's conditional, but it's love. It's, a love between, it's the majority of love between good friends and family members and husbands and wives. We have moments in our life with the grace of God, like for a husband or a wife, we could have a moment where you agape them because agape love is unconditional love. It has no strings attached. It is pure in every form. This is the kind of love that God has. It's a divine love. If you were to take all the loves in the Bible, the pinnacle of loving is agape. In fact, we're incapable of for the most part, totally incapable without the help of God to love this way. Only God can it is the apex of love. So when the Bible says God so loved, that word love there is the highest level of love that you and I can experience. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible literally, under the inspiration of divine of divine of the divine Godhead, puts a modifier in front of Agape. So loved. As if you couldn't get any better than God's kind of love. The Bible feels the need to double down and be like, he doesn't just love you like that. He so loves you. It's not repetitive or redundant. It is divine emphasis from heaven. For God so loved the world. He loves us so much we can't even comprehend it. You couldn't comprehend it. He'll never take you for granted. Do you believe that? Because if you do, it goes on to say, whoever believes shall not perish. Whoever believes. Now, okay, I've been preaching for 24 years now, and most preachers, when we get to this part in John three sixteen, we focus on the whoever, which I think is important. Anyone and everyone, whosoever, right? That's the King James Version, whosoevereth believe, right? And We talk about anyone come down, and, I, and I agree with that, but, but what do the whosoever's of the world have to do? be saved we've 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 identified whosoever but what do they have to do what do you and I have to do to be saved believe that's it believe whosoever believes that means I put my faith in God I trust that not only is he great he's good I think it's easy whether you've been in church or not to to believe that God is great. Just look around you. Look at the skies, look at the stars, look at the sun, look at the moon, look at your own body. Look at look at t- that breath that I just took, how God is great. He's the, he's the king of kings. He's the alpha, the omega. But I, I, sometimes I struggle believing that he's good, like that he wants good for me, that he cares about the prayers that I'm praying, that he wants me not only to be able to pay the bills but to have a little extra to go on vacation, that he cares that you want the parking spot closest to the church so you don't have to walk so far. Like, he's good. He wants good things for you. Like, I want to buy those Gucci shoes. He's like, yeah, it's a little pricey You're wasting your money, but I'm good, you know, whatever. He's, he wants He wants you to have good relationships. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to laugh because God is great and God is good. And the Bible says whoever believes this shall be saved, shall not, in fact, perish, perish. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever does what he says shall not perish. I mean, you should do what he says, but that's... That's not what it says. It's good to do what God says. Obey. That's, 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 a, that's a commandment. But that's not what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever worships him passionately shall not perish. You should worship him passionately. My good friend Phil Farrell is going to be here at the second part of church, and he's going to join the team, and we're going to worship passionately. And that's good, but that's, that's not what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever is faithful in their church attendance shall not perish. That's good. I'm a pastor of a church. I hope you come. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. But that's not what John 3:16 says. For God so, I'm gonna do this all day, so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever prays without ceasing in their prayer closet, making war on the floor, shall not perish. You should do that. I think that's the most powerful place for a believer is to be in prayer. But that is not what John three sixteen says. We sometimes make it say all of those things. And we live our lives like it says all those things. But it says, whosoever believes puts their hope in God. Well, anybody could put their hope in God. I only know a few people who can pray for 12 hours straight. Two, (laughs) in fact. Some of them are in here, and i I, it's amazing. But anyone, anyone and everyone could put their hope in him. He shall not perish. Perish is a word. It's one of those words that kind of like has an ominous sound. Like, perish to die the darkest death ever. Right? Perish to go to the depths of hell and visit Satan. (laughs) That's... That's not what perish means. That's not what it means. Did you know that you could be alive and still perishing? Did you know that? This isn't talking about going to the abyss of hell. We read it that way, but it's not my opinion. Here's the actual literal Greek translation of the word perish. It says it doesn't speak of extinction, but of ruin or loss. And not loss of being, to be specific but loss of well-being did you catch that that's what that word means it doesn't mean you're doomed and cursed and ruined forever it means that your well-being is lost you could be alive you could be breathing you could be doing things but you are not well you're living yet perishing that's what it's talking about. So many times, and no doubt, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I mean, that's the only way to get to heaven. So there is that connotation. But, this, but John 3.16, in its specificness right here, is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about like going to hell. I'm talking about like you could, while you're alive, be unwell in your soul, in your spirit. Kind of like the guy we met in Luke 10, the guy who got mugged by the robbers. Look what it says in verse 30 of Luke 10 says they robbed him, they took everything, and look how it ends. They left him half dead, half dead. Um, not fully dead and yet not fully alive, half dead. Since we're talking about Greek, the Greek word here means entirely exhausted. God, I love it. I love that half dead means entirely exhausted because I can relate with that. I can relate with getting in my car, going to my job, saying hi to you, and I'm here, but I am entirely exhausted. Have you ever been there? That's, that's where this man was when we read the parable of the Good Samaritan. The man who was beaten and left for dead, he was, he was a half dead. The Bible says if you believe, you don't have to live that way. Okay, let's look at the parable of the Good Samaritan for the remaining time that we have. Kind of got a basis of John 3.16. You feel good about that? Turn to your neighbor like, we're good. All right, parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, it's self-explanatory in a lot of ways. Sometimes when Jesus shares stories in Scripture, there's kind of allegory and there's, meta- there's meta- metaphor and there's symbolism. This one's just kind of straightforward. Like you read and you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like it, it, I am way more interested with what happens immediately after Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay, the parable of the Good Samaritan goes all the way up to verse 37. Verse 38, it starts immediately after the next place Jesus is in Scripture. He's at Martha and Mary's house. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know who Martha and Mary are. Martha and Mary are sisters, and they're good friends with Jesus. And this is the first time in Scripture that Jesus comes to visit them in their home. At least it's documented in Scripture. And so, immediately after giving this parable, he goes to Martha and Mary's. And here's the whole deal. I'll just give it to you real quick if you, if you don't know it. Here's the whole deal with Martha and Mary. They're thrilled out of their minds because the Messiah, they know him to be the Messiah. They know in their heart that Jesus is the Lord. So they know that. Not everyone knew that, but Martha Mary knew it. And so he's coming over to have dinner. So, I mean, they're making the pita. They're getting the hummus. They're going, they're getting the olives and the olive oil. And I'm sure there's French fries because, I mean, French fries have been around <laughs> since Jesus said, let there be light. And so there's French fries all over the table. like They're getting it all ready. And the Bible says that Martha is so busy, so busy. And Martha's not bad. We like Martha. There's a lot of Marthas in this, in this church. And we're so grateful for Martha. If without Martha's and the male version of Martha's, there would be no lights and there would be no sound and there would be no chairs and there would be no coffee. So Martha, we salute you. And we're not mad at you, Martha. But Martha's losing her mind, just making all the preparations. And when Jesus gets there, Mary just goes and just wants to be right where he is. He sits down. It's like, I was thinking. She's like, what were you thinking? And she sits right by his feet. Like, Tell me me at all i just you smell good <laughs> like she just bible says that mary just sits at his feet and martha is in the kitchen preparing and martha gets upset she, she comes out to jesus she's like what what's happening i'm in here doing all these things i'm cleaning i'm i'm preparing for you i'm trying to do good things and my sister make her help me she says in verse 41 42 uh, of this very next passage jesus says Mar- martha martha you're so busy doing what mary has chosen is better that's what he says in verse 42 what she chose she she's chosen better let me clarify what martha is doing isn't bad she's not doing bad things in fact you could say it's a very good cause god is coming to dinner Let's make it good for him. I think that's a good cause. I could get behind that personally, nobly. I think it's right. I think it's, it's well. And that is a she's not doing a bad thing. But Jesus lovingly corrects her and says, says Martha, what you're doing isn't bad. But stop already. Because what Mary is doing is better. All of our doing for God is not as important as just being with God, following him, trusting him, waiting on him being where he is. This isn't like, oh, so you mean I just need to sit and pray and read and meditate. I do that from time to time, but I don't do that all day. And this passage certainly is not giving me permission to do so. Being with God is where he goes, I'll go. Be where he is, be where he is. If God's in the living room, I'm in the living room with God, not in the kitchen, doing good things. If he says, I'm going over here, well, that's, that's where I'm going to. Be where Jesus is. Because what are we actually going to do for God anyway that he can't do for himself? How, how pompous of us, and I'm speaking to myself because I certainly have played this out in my life over the last 45 years. Like, I'm gonna do something so good for God. Like, okay. Go for it. But honestly, you, you think he needs you to do that? Like if you didn't show up, it wouldn't happen. Need I remind us, he said, let there be light and consulted with none of us, right? Didn't ask our advice on how to form the firmament of the skies. He just is. What are we going to do for God? Whatever you think it is, he would rather you not do that and just be where he is. Not my opinion. Just the scriptures. I've learned this real time with my kids. They're Now my boys are grown. My daughter's almost grown. The sons are 22, 21. My daughter's 17. And um, I love them. I love my boys who have moved out of the house at this point. I'm so proud of them everything they've accomplished i really am like and i kind of right now i just want to tell you all they've accomplished but i'm gonna, I'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold back because <laughs> they're like dad i love to brag on them they're just they're so amazing but can i tell you what i look forward to most it's not judah calling me like hey signed another deal it's not caleb telling me hey going to another country traveling to another state like it's none of that i'm, I'm not dude you're the man god you're so amazing but can i tell you what i look forward to most as a dad i've learned this real time after 22 years of being a father i just want them to come over to the house I'll call Jude all the time. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I'm going to call with Bill Gates. Okay, cool. Um, tell Bill I said hi. Also, do you want to come over, man? Like, we're just we're playing cards tonight. Um, Caleb, I literally told Caleb. He moved out three months ago. He's with, like, roommates. And I just sent him a text like, just so you know, fridge is wide open. Anytime, man. Eat whatever you want. So Caleb's over all the time. And I love it because I just, I just want to be around them. I'm not so much concerned with the good they're doing. Like, do good. Like, succeed, accomplish, achieve. Yeah. I'm your biggest fan, but can I just be, as a dad, as an earthly dad, I would much, I just want to be with you. Like, hey, who, do you like that one girl? I don't think she likes you. You know, like, what do you, what do you think you want to, you want to go on vacation with us? Like, I just, I want, how much more with God? Okay, now let's contrast what, what Jesus says to Martha and what he's saying of the good samaritan because these are right next to each other scripture begs us to compare the two because it's it's a good parable of the good samaritan and then it's Martha and Mary and so it's begging us like compare compare it's wanting us to do that so let's do it real quick to Martha he's like Martha relax you're so busy you're you're doing so much doing good and all you're doing so much He's like, what Mary chose is better. And then he speaks of the good Samaritan at the very end. He tells him, he's like in verse, in verse 37, he looks to the lawyer and he says, the good Samaritan, what he did, go and do likewise. So Jesus says to Martha, stop all of your doing and striving. Stop. Stop doing it. And then he says of the Samaritan, what he did, do that. Okay, it seems like mixed messages. Martha, stop doing all you're doing. And what she was doing was everything she could for God. He's like, stop it. Just come be with me. But when the good Samaritan helps another, helps another person, Jesus says, see what he did? You go do that too. Ooh, as if to say caring for and valuing and loving the people God puts in our path is the most important thing to God. And yet here I am trying to do everything I can for the king. I'll make him proud. He's like, stop. I'm already proud of you. I just need you to be with me. Like I, you know how powerful I am? You're not adding anything to me. I just love you. I so love you. So let's just be. Well, I'm gonna help help these people that you put, oh yeah, do that. The people that I put in your path, do that. The priest of Levite, they walked down the street. They had somewhere to go. I'm assuming they were going to do something good. One of them is a pastor. I'm assuming, let's just assume, like he's not a bad man. He's going to do something good. He's got a good purpose. He's pursuing it. The Levite, he's a worship leader it's safe to assume that they're on their way to go do good. And then God puts someone in their path and they, they ignore the person that God put in their path. You say they ignore everyone. It doesn't matter if they ignore everyone, but there's someone in their path and that is the person that they are ignoring. Because what they have to do for God has become more important than who God puts in their path. And Jesus is clear when he speaks against it. It's not, it's not enigmatic. I'm not making it up. It's very clear in scripture. But a lot of times we skip it. We skip it because it's too close to home. Okay? I'll we'll talk about churches for a second. Churches, if they are not intentional, can fall into this. You're like, I don't know if you should talk about churches. Well, I've been in churches my whole life. I've been pastoring for as long as I can remember. Part of the problem, part of the solution. So I feel freedom to talk about churches for a second. If we aren't careful... As communities of faith and as believers, it becomes less about caring for the people that God has put in our path and more about using people to accomplish all of the great purposes God has given us. It's less about the people that God put in our path, in our world, put us here. This is God. He put us here. I love church because I meet people I would never come across in my path. I got a narrow path, so do you. Some of us have broader, but for the most part, it's narrow. But I come in here, and you and I would have never met probably, but here we are in church. you, You go here, I go here, we should get coffee. And my world gets wider and broader and bigger, my perspective, my heart grows. But if we're not careful, it becomes less about caring and valuing and loving the people that are here. And it becomes about using people to accomplish the great purposes of God. What it looks like, instead of coming into church and being like, you walk into church and what you're confronted with is like, how are you doing? Hey, how can we help? We're the church. All of us. So how can we help you? Can we help you with the depression you're going through? Can we help you with your faith? You're struggling? Help you with the depression. Uh, how, about the, how about the addiction? We could help. I got people. Man, there's people in here that have been set free from addiction. How's your marriage? How are your kids? How can we help? How can we help you with your finances? How can we help you with what you're wrestling with, the decisions you have to make? Why? Because we are the church. I'm not saying me is the church. I'm looking. We're in this together. We are the church. Just because I get up here and talk, you're like, so what should I do with my finances? I don't know, but I know some crazy good financial people in here that could help you. So how should I get physically fit? Clearly I don't know, but I know some crazy physical fit people in here who could help you, right? What's two plus two? I don't do math, well I do, I do do math. I love math, in fact, so I could help you there. Come see me. (laughs) What it looks like is instead of us saying, how can I help, we're like, hey, look at all that we're doing, how do you wanna help? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling it, David. People are like, are you mocking the church? A little bit, but I could do it. I is the church. Hey, look at all we're doing. Woo! See this? Where do you want to jump in? I'm all for jumping in and serving. It does something for your life. I mean that it does something for you to give and to serve. But when the church becomes about what we're doing for God as if he needed us, and not about the people he has put in our path and we have missed things. Jesus did not do that. This is my opinion. I'm not just feeling myself at 45. Jesus did not do that. Never did it. Last Supper. Jesus is hours away from beginning the culmination of the greatest purpose in the history of the world. Salvation of mankind. Moments away. In just a few hours, he's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. They're going to arrest him, and the passion of the Christ will begin. His march to Calvary's Hill to save you and me begins. You would think in a moment like that, Jesus would be off in some corner with the intercessors going hard, like, all right, all right, this is what I came for. What does Jesus do? Books a room, has it catered in, gets the people closest to him in the world, 12 of them to be exact. It's like, yo, let's get dinner tonight. That's what Jesus did. Let's catch dinner. The Bible says they were reclining. I just want to lay around, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy the moments we have. Love you guys. Appreciate you. He's going to do the purpose, but make, in his mind, you can see the emphasis of where he puts his values. He's like, let's get together. Let's you and I. Let's eat. Let's laugh. Grab a, grab a glass of wine or grape juice, whatever, whatever your flavor is. Let's cheers it up. That's what Jesus is doing. In that moment, There's a man in there who's going to betray him. One of the people that is in his path betrays him because people do that, by the way. Sometimes people in our path, they hurt us because they're imperfect. You're like, oh, God, let it happen. God didn't let it happen. That's human nature. If you love people, it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. That ain't God. That's people. You're messy. (laughs) No, you are. No, you are. We all are. We're messy. You said that to me. You looked at me funny. You looked at me funny. That's why I said that. You know, like we are. We are people. So Judas betrays Jesus at one point during the whole interaction. Judas, Jesus calls Judas friend. He's like, friend, go do what you must. Look how little virtue Jesus spends on the betrayal of a loved one. Judas is a loved one. Jesus handpicked him, and he betrays him. Look how little time Jesus spends there if i could just give you a glimpse of the last supper they're eating they're drinking they're talking john is reclining against jesus it's a very he's enjoying the people in his world because it's important and then he goes one of you is going to betray me and judas goes is it i and he's like do what you're about to do friend judas gets up and leave and what does jesus do Whew, that was rough huh i always knew he was off Peter, how are you feeling? You knew it too, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I just, I'm not feeling this. I mean, that's what I would do. I don't know. I probably should call him. We should probably call other people because I know he's hurt a bunch of people and there's a lot of fallout. Notice what he does. Hey, guys, grab your cups. I'm hey, get, get the pita. And he takes communion. He's like, let's have a drink. Let's, let, me, let me reminisce with you. Let me tell you of what's to come. Let me tell you. Instead of wasting virtue and time over the people that leave, he chooses to find joy and enjoyment and satisfaction. The people that are still in the room, the people that are in, because people will leave your path. God will put people in your path, and sometimes those people leave. They they betray. They they pass away. Nothing to do, with they they, there was three funerals this week in our community, three funerals are linked to our community. Sometimes people just pass away and it's hard and you feel left alone, but that doesn't mean that we can't still right now in these moments, yeah, mourn, grieve, there's a time for it, but realize that the people you still have are right with you. God puts people in our paths. Can I do a side note here real quick? Just a real quick side note. You're not supposed to be close with everyone. You do not have to be or carry the weight of being close friends with all people. That's what God does. (laughs) That's his job. I'm I'm speaking to it because a lot of times in church, they're like, okay, I met them, and so now I have to have coffee with them, and we have to be best friends, hang out every Friday, and I don't even know your last name. No, you don't have to do that. That's God's job. He knows everyone's last name. He's with everyone. Are you God? I- I'm sorry. Are you God? Just stop trying to be. Relieve yourself of the burden of having to be close friends with everybody. <laughs> In my mind, it just came up. I'm thinking of like teenage girls. Like everyone's close friends. It's impossible. No wonder people stop coming to church. <laughs> I can't do it. Everyone thinks I'm their best friend. And... No, 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 no. God will put people in your path. He'll put people in your path. Some of our paths are bigger. Some of us have a greater capacity. Some of you are like just a solid three-friend person right now, you know? Different seasons. Like, I can handle three of you. One of you is a married to. That's it, you know? Okay. Different seasons. Different capacities. Some of you, Jay Martin Juniors. i I'm looking around. I'm, they got 5,000 people in their world. And they're like, let's go, you know? Whatever. No, no, no. You don't have to be close friends with everybody. Just love and enjoy and value the ones that God does put in your path. And it's different. I catch coffee. I'm looking around. I probably catch coffee with almost all the men in this room. And if I haven't, let's do it. Come get my number right after us. I'd love to hear your story. I catch coffee with you. I'm not as close with you as I am with my wife. Trust me. (laughs) And some of you I'm closer with because of time and history than I am with others. But you're in my path. So I'm going to make the most of the moments we have together. I'm going because people matter more. You even see it on the cross when Jesus is, is breathing his last breath. He's been hung on the cross by people who hate him, people that have betrayed him and beaten him and tortured him, and spoken evil of him. And you see it, I, I believe it's in, yeah, John 19, 26. Yeah, look at this, look at this. He has, for all intents and purposes, accomplished the greatest purpose on the planet. In this, this point in scripture, he is on the cross already. I don't know how close he is to death, but we are talking breaths away. Look, what Jesus, look what's important to Jesus. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby and he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And He said to the disciple, behold your mother. He's thinking in his mind, my mom needs a son. And my disciple, who's like a son, he needs a mom. That's what matters to Jesus in this moment. You're like, Jesus, do you not even want to take time to think about what they've done to you? Did you hear what that guy said to you? And the one guy spit in your face. And the other guy put nails in your hand. Jesus is wasting so, he, here's what he said to all of them. Father, forgive them. They don't know. They don't, they don't know. Okay. John, Mary, who's in your path? Jesus makes this statement. He gives us this example so many times in scripture. He's more concerned with the people than he is with the purpose. If everything was about the purpose, then we would have ignored John and Mary. It's like, hey, it's bigger than you, okay? Don't be so selfish. Okay, I got to go do good things for God. Just don't be so selfish. Put others first. We do that. Hey man, I'm doing a lot. You know how many people are getting ministered to? What I'm doing? How many people we're feeding? You know how many people we're helping? Okay, so I'm sorry I couldn't spend time with you, but you know, there's bigger and better things. I love you and all, but you know, Jesus never did it. Hey, I'm about to go die for the sins of the world. We should eat something. How you doing, Judas? You're my friend. Get out of here. All right, okay, guys. John, behold your mom, Mary, your son. People matter. They matter more. People matter more. All right, let me finish. The priest and the Levite back in Luke 10. They ignore the person that God put in their path. They ignore him. They ignore him. And then my question, if I could have been there, is like, where, where are you going? That's so important. What is, what is so urgent that you don't have time? What is it? I mean, I know you what, what is so urgent that when God puts someone in your path, is what you're chasing more important than the people God has put in your life. That's my question. Is what you're chasing after is it more important than the people God has put in your life? Even the good that you're chasing after because it's not supposed to be. We see this all throughout scripture. You can see it. We see it in Ecclesiastes. I'm just for the just so you know I am done chasing after success and fortune and fame and good things. I'm done I'm going to only now follow God. I'm just going to be where he is. And I am going to value most the people that he puts in my path. Ecclesiastes says this in in chapter 2 verse 11. It says, let me read it to you. It says, yet when I surveyed, this is the wisest man in the whole world, Solomon. The Bible calls him the wisest man that ever lived. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind chasing after the wind <laughs> what are you going to do when you get what you're chasing what are you going to do with it you're going to hold on to it you're going to hold on to wind it won't be enough just so you know and there'll, there'll be something new that you'll have to get once you get there you're like if i just got if i got that bentley and that three million dollar home and if, I got, if you you're going to need more you're going to and it won't fully satisfy you what what are you chasing after The Bible, the wisest man said, it is a chasing after the wind. In fact, if you continue to do it, you will find yourself half dead. Half dead. Entirely exhausted. Because you're chasing after everything when what we should be doing is being where God is and appreciating the people he's put in our path. Do you know with God, one thing always leads to another. Did you know that? I have learned that in my 40s. I will never, ever forget it. It's become a life model for me. With God, one thing always leads to another. That means I walk through a door that to me doesn't look like much, but God opened it. I'm like, well, that's not what I've been praying for. Just walk through, man. Okay, I'll just, I mean, it's open, so I'll go. And I get through that door and I'm like, this is nice. It's not what I was hoping for, whatever. And there's another door. Because I walked through the first door and the second door, and it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I met this person, but I mean, it's not what I've been praying for. It's not what I've been, I guess, I mean, God opened the door. I mean, I, I'll just go through it. And then and I get like three, four doors deep, and all of a sudden, door number five, or whatever door it is, I'm like, this is, this is what my heart has, well, you would have never known had you not just followed God. He's opening doors you know nothing of. He's answering prayers you're not even praying because you don't know to pray them yet because he's God. He's got doors so far down and you're like, I'm just, can you just take solace in that? And so what are you chasing after? You're going after fortune? I've got your fortune. His name is Jesus. And if you follow him, all these things will come to you. All the, you say, oh, you mean the Bentleys? If it's God's will, (laughs) it probably isn't for most of us, but for some of you, it might be. It could be, follow God, be where he is. Sometimes God answers our prayers by showing us what we already have. Did you know that? God, please answer my prayer, please answer my prayer. And it's like, he wants me from heaven, open your eyes. They're right in front of you. We're looking for an outcome. God's giving you people. Well, I don't like them all the time. They don't like you all the time you're welcome welcome to community and following jesus sometimes he answers our prayer just by showing us what's right in front of us we can't see it lord if you could just he's like look, look what you have man i need more but look what you have this is where your happiness is i was uh, talking with someone a couple weeks ago and they asked me billy what's your vision What's your 10-year what's your vision? And I think they were meaning for the church. And I, vision, this is church language, and I'm not mad about it, but what they mean is like, what is the inspiring plan that you have to get people on board, to cause things to grow without vision? The people perish. What's your vision? And I got it, and I love it. I'm sorry, you know, for probably 15 years as a pastor, I'm like, I got vision, I got vision. What's your vision? And I was like, oh, let me tell you. And I think they meant for the church, but I was like, this is for my whole life. I'm 45. And for the next 45 years, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow God wherever he leads. I'm not going to chase anything else. I'm just going to follow him wherever he leads. And what he gives me to do today, I'm going to do that with all my heart. And then I'm going to do that same thing tomorrow. And then I'm going to do that same thing the next day. Here's my vision. That's what I'm going to do. And along the way, the most important thing I'm going to is I'm going to enjoy and love and value and appreciate the people that he puts on my path along the way. I'm going to make the most of every moment we have together because we will not always have those moments. I'm not going to spend my time chasing this, but follow God and the people he's put on my path. Yeah, we're going to do that together because they matter more than anything I could ever do for God. God sent his son to die, John three sixteen tells us. He sent his son to die so that anyone and everyone who believes would not perish, but have life, life worth living. That is purpose. And why, why this purpose? this great purpose in John three sixteen, Because God so loved the world. It's the meaning and the reason behind it. With God, people matter more than purpose. Lord, I pray right now in this moment that you would speak to our hearts as a community individually. Help us to never fail to see you in it all, no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard it gets sometimes, may we forever keep you the focus and help me to appreciate, to love and care for the ones that you've put in our paths. Help us all to do it, if we all could do it. I just, I can't even fathom what could be in a community that loves God and loves others. Help us be those people. Not perfect, because you know we're not, Jesus. But we're going to try. Help us to be grateful. Help us to see you in it all. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed, every head bowed, can I just ask you this question before we sing? If you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you haven't made him your personal Lord and Savior. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. If you believe, you shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's what it says. If you're in here, I'm going to count to three. when I get to three in just a few seconds, if that's you, if you say today, put my faith in Jesus, would you raise your hand just so I could see eyes are closed. It's personal between you and God, but I'd be honored to pray with you on October 17th, my 45th birthday. It'd be an honor. If you're in here and today is the day that you choose to put your hope and trust in a God who so loves you, would you raise your hand when I get to three? One, two, three, wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You just put it up and slip it right back down. I got you. Anyone else? Okay, God, thank you. Thank you for being in this moment. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us right now with all those that raise their hands. We ask you to forgive us of our sins because only you can. Thank you for loving us even before we loved you. Thank you for saving us and thank you for leading us. We give our lives to you. We put our hope and trust in you. We believe in you. From this day forward. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.